tonight we're, we're going to talk about one of the stories he told about money. And even as I just say that word, what comes to your mind when you think of money? Just what comes to your mind? And many of us have a really complicated relationship with money, right? Because maybe as you think about money, you feel yes, I love money, that sounds great, and you feel inspired towards money, and you want money, and maybe, maybe some money is something that when you think of it, you feel excited. But money can also be something that you feel stressed about. Money can feel something that you are anxious about. It can be something that you worry about. It can be something that um, there's a lot of questions about. I mean, we have a complicated relationship with money, Right? I mean, money is one of the top things that, that people fight about in, marriage, in marriages. Uh, money is one of the, the top things that, that we just kind of have all sorts of questions about, whether that's how can I make more money, what should I do with my money, how do I save my money, where's the best place to invest my money, how can I make more money, how can I spend more money. I mean, we have all sorts of questions about money, and it's something that we kind of have a complicated relationship with. And today... Some people came up, well, not today, but thousands of years ago, uh, some people came up and asked Jesus a question about money. They asked him a question about money. And, and what we'll see is that in the story Jesus tells, he teaches us some really important things about money. Okay, and as I was thinking about this, money is kind of like love. And some of you are probably like, yes, it's exactly like that. I, I, I love it. Or, yes, it's just like love. I hate it, you know. Um, and, and this is what I mean. L love is kind of like a force, right? Um, it's not something that is easily contained, and love is something you have to be really careful with, right? Love, love is this beautiful, amazing thing, and yet can be really dangerous. There's proper ways to use love, and there's also ways to misuse love. I mean, you can manipulate people, you can, you can try to force people to love you, you can love people so you can get something, or pretend to love people so you can get something. Love is this really powerful thing, and yet, it's, because it's this powerful thing, it's got to be used carefully. It's, there's all sorts of dynamics around it, okay? And when we talk about money, I think money's kind of like that. And the story that Jesus will tell, he'll help us see that, that money, money can be dangerous, money can be really powerful, and there's a good way to use money and a bad way to use money. And, and just help us to understand a lot of this kind of stuff, okay? So let's, let's just uh, jump into this story that, that Jesus tells. And here's what he says. And here, here's the beginning. This was the, the context for why he told this story. And here's what it says in Luke 12. And if you have a Bible, uh, you can go there. Um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, you're more than welcome to take the one in front of you. And you can take that home and, and keep it. And uh, here's what Jesus says. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So this guy, you know, they have um, inheritance and apparently there was some sort of family uh, squabble going on here. And this guy's coming to Jesus to say, hey, can you just tell this guy to give me my money? Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he, that's Jesus, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? So he's just kind of saying, why are you involving me in this? And then he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable. That's a story. He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So this is the story that Jesus tells about money. It's a very interesting story. And the very first part of what Jesus said as he gets into the story, and I'll just read it again here, is he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. 
So as Jesus begins to tell the story, the first thing he says is, be careful, be on your guard against covetousness, this this desire for money, this desire for things. He says, be careful, be on your guard, which is to say that that money is dangerous. So why must we be on our guard? Why does Jesus say, why does he intro the story with, be on your guard, be careful? Why why is that the, the preface to his story? Why is that the way that he begins the story? And and here's what I will say is, to begin with, it's because he cares for us. So I just want you to hear that. Jesus saying, be careful with money. That the very, so I'll I'll tell you why he's saying that and what that means, but, but just start with that. Like when we talk about money, a lot of times there can be an anxiety, there can be, oh, what are, what's going to be said about money? But whatever Jesus has to say about money when he's telling it to these, when he's telling it to this guy that comes up to him and, you know, there's people around listening in, so he's, so he's really telling it to everybody listening in. When he says it, he, he's saying it because he really cares for us, right? If you love somebody, if you care for somebody, you tell them, hey, be careful about things, right? If, I mean, if you're around little kids at all and they're going to... Um, touch a, a fire or something, you say, hey, be careful. And you say that not because you don't want them to mess with your fire. You say that to them because you love them and you care for them. And so as Jesus begins the story, he's saying, be careful. He's saying, I love you and I care for you. And I know there's some danger that you could get into. And I want you to be careful. I want you to be on your guard So just as we even begin to talk about this, I want you to hear Jesus' heart as he's saying this. It's not one of, hey, don't mess with my stuff, or hey, I'm going to tell you what to do now and because I'm trying to be a jerk, or I'm trying to just be the boss of you, or something that, that we start off with negative connotations. It's Jesus saying lovingly, gently, hey, be careful, because there's something dangerous. But why? Why does he say that? Why does he say there's something dangerous with money? Why does he say there's something that we have to be careful around? And here's the truth. We don't believe that about money, right? I mean, if Jesus were to say, hey, be careful or you might be poor, we'd go, oh, tell me, what what do I need to know? Or if we said, be careful or you might be lonely for the rest of your life, we'd probably go, oh, tell me, what is it? But Jesus says, be careful or you might have a lot of money. We go, huh? doesn't seem like I need to be careful about that. That seems like, tell me how not to be careful to do that, right? I mean, when Jesus says, be careful, you might have a lot of stuff. We go, huh? What, what do you mean, Jesus? Be careful? Be careful? And he says, not just don't, I mean, it's very important. We listen to what he said. He doesn't just say, hey, don't use your money wrongly. He doesn't just say, hey, don't be greedy. Or, hey, don't, um, don't steal. Or don't, he, he doesn't say, don't do this with your money. He says, be careful. Be on guard. But see, what does that mean? It means that if we're not careful, it means if we're not on guard, somehow something slips in. See, if he's telling us, be careful, be on guard, not just don't do this, it means that if we're not paying attention, if we're not careful, if we're not on guard, something dangerous could happen to our souls. Something bad could happen to us when we're not paying attention. See, why is money like that? Because this isn't something Jesus says with a lot of things. I mean, he doesn't say, hey, be on guard, be careful about adultery. He doesn't say that. Why? Well, because you know if you're sleeping with someone that's not your wife, right? I mean, no one ever goes, oh, I didn't, oh no. I mean, you know, right? <laughs> okay. With money though, do you always know? Do you always know if you're getting greedy? Do you always know if your heart is coveting? It's a little more tricky, right? Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City and an author and really appreciate a lot of his thinking. And he says 
that in all his years as a pastor, he's never had someone come up to him and say, I'm greedy. And as I read that and reflected on that, really in, in my life as a pastor, the same is true in many ways. I've had people confess to me murder, child molestation, stealing, I mean, all sorts. Of, I've had people con- confess to me the worst things you could imagine as a pastor. But I don't think I've ever had somebody come up to me unprovoked, which I mean without questions of like, hey, is this something you struggle with? And say, hey, I, I'm a greedy person and I don't know what to do. Because Jesus says, we have to be on guard against this. It's something that just slips in without us even realizing it. You know if you've killed somebody. You know if you've stolen something. You know if you've yelled at someone. You know, I mean, you know if you've done things. But this is one of those things that it's like, wait a minute, it just kind of slips in there. Partially because it's intangible, right? I mean, killing someone or doing something you shouldn't do with someone else's wife, those are very tangible things. But this is a kind of intangible thing. And it's also difficult. It's also sneaky because we can compare, right? I mean, like, well, I mean, I'm very generous compared to this guy. Or I use my money very well compared to this person. Or I'm not greedy at all compared to this person. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a very tricky thing. And so Jesus begins the story with saying, money can be dangerous. You have to be on guard You have to be on guard because it can be deceptive. I think it's also something we have to be on guard against, as the story says, because actually the things that we have to be on guard against are the things that in our world are actually very valued. So murder is not valued, right, in our culture. Adultery is not valued. And yet, an abundance of possessions is valued, right? And so again, another reason, why do we have to be on guard against this? Because it's intangible, because of comparison, because it's actually a value, because it creeps in there without us knowing. And Jesus says, I love you, I care for you, and when we talk about money, I want you to be careful. I want you to be careful that something doesn't get into your life that something doesn't get into your heart, that something doesn't get into your soul without you even knowing, without you even paying attention. And what he says is, he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. And see, that's not just actions, again, it's be careful about what's happening in your heart. Because some of you maybe say, I use all my money exactly the way I should use it. And I've talked to some people that say, I do everything I'm supposed to do with my money. But in my heart, I know there is still a desire that is wrong. And Jesus says, not just be careful with what you do with money, but be careful about your heart around money. Okay. So this is why it's dangerous. This is why it's dangerous. But, but Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say, therefore, run away from it. Therefore, don't use it. Therefore, get rid of all of it. Therefore, ignore it. Therefore, don't think about it, right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, be on your guard against money, so just get rid of it and have nothing to do with it. So how do we use it then? And, and, what, and really the question is, what's wrong with how this guy used his money? Because so Jesus says, be on guard. That's the first thing. Because money can be deceptive. It can creep in. It can get into our hearts in ways that we're not even understanding. But then he says this. He doesn't say, so therefore, just run away from it and have nothing to do with it. He says, there's a certain way to use it. So what's wrong with the way that this guy used his money? What's wrong with how this guy used his money. I mean, as you read the story, it actually seems like he does everything right in many ways. I mean, he has what many of us are working for, right? I mean, so I mean, most people that get rich, it's a mix of hard work and luck, right? And that's what happens with him. So he's a farmer, and so he's obviously worked, I mean, I've got a garden patch that's like eight by 10, and it took me, you know, a good chunk of time, but I'm sure this guy had a lot more. 
So he's a farmer, so he worked hard to produce. And yet also, it, it happens that it just blows up, right? So maybe you've worked hard to understand the, the market or you've worked hard to understand what stocks are going up and what stocks are going down and you've worked hard and so you produce some earnings, but also you get lucky. Or you've worked hard to get an education, you've worked hard to get a good job, but you also get lucky. Some things happen, this guy dies, and so you're able to take his spot and get promoted. Did, I, did you lose me? Oh, no, here, okay. Um, different things happen, right? Hard work and luck. Hard work and luck. And that's what happens with this guy. And what's wrong with how he used his money? Because I think if we just read the story, we go, there we go, that's what I'm talking about. We, we hear it, we, we look at it, and we go, that's what I want. So he works hard, and all of a sudden, his barn is full. He got all the resources he needed. His barn is absolutely full, and then he goes, I've got so much, I need to tear that barn down and build bigger ones. I mean, that doesn't seem bad. That seems like that's exactly what I'm trying to do. How do I do that? I want to meet this guy. And then what does he do? He retires. I want to eat, drink, relax, be merry. So we're saying that this guy is the bad guy in the story? I mean, it seems like he's the good guy, right? I mean, essentially, let me find this line. Here's, so he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. I mean, that is the definition of retirement, right? That's the definition. He has what many of us think are values. He has what many of us would be working towards. And then God comes in and says, you fool. So there's actually, I mean, I don't, I haven't, uh, I didn't, I was going to do this, but I, I didn't do it. So I, I can't say this with 100% certainty, but there is at least, maybe none, but at least very, 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 very little places that God ever directly looks at someone and says, you fool. Sometimes broadly speaking, he might say these kinds of people are fools, but I don't know if there's anywhere else in the Bible. There maybe is a couple other places. Maybe. I don't think there's any, but maybe there's a couple where he looks at one person and says, you fool. So God shows up in the story and the first time God shows up in the story, he looks at the guy and says, you fool. Fool? I mean, again, don't we look at the guy and we think, awesome. We think success. But God looks at him in the eyes and says, you fool. So if you were to think about who is foolish with their money, what would come to mind? I mean, if, you, if, if I said, hey, let me tell you a story about someone that was very foolish with their money, you'd probably think of somebody that squandered it on a bunch of different things, that bought penny stocks, or um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, someone that just bought, wasted their money on all sorts of stupid things. Pokemon cards, I mean, all sorts of dumb things. <laughs> I remember my younger brother and he's like 10 years younger than me or eight, nine, nine years younger than me. And then he was, you know, he was a little kid, but I was telling him, don't buy Pokemon cards. I promise you in two years, you're not going to like them. But he spent all his money on Pokemon cards, Pokemon cards. I was like, save your money for something that you actually want. And, you know, he was nine, so it didn't really matter. But, but he doesn't like Pokemon and nobody does, right? Unless he would have had, li anyways, okay, we're done with that. Um... <laughs> So here's the thing. If you thought about somebody being foolish with their money, you wouldn't profile this guy, right? If you said, here's a foolish person with money, it wouldn't be this person. So this guy does not use his money. He does not gain or use his money immorally, right? I mean, in the story, it doesn't say he gained it immorally. He gained it dishonestly. He, I mean, there's nothing wrong with how he gets his money, with how he, um, it's not stealing, it's not frivolous. I mean, in fact, it's saving. So why does God show up and say, fool? 
Why does God show up and say fool? Because again, we would look at that guy and go, that's kind of what I was trying to do. And I don't think any of us would want God to show up in our life and say, you fool. So why is this foolish? Why is it foolish? And here's, here's why. Here's what God says to him. That he was spending his money to get instead of spending his money to give. So he earns all this money and says, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? I can get relaxation with this. I can get food and drink and happiness with this. I can get security with this where I don't have to work anymore. What can I get? What can I get? What can I have? Instead of, what can I give? And I think that should be convicting because isn't that almost the entire way that we operate with money? I mean, most of us try to think, how can I make more money each year? Not how can I give more money each year, right? And God says to him, or Jesus says to in the story as he's talking about it, he spends all of his money to get. And look at this guy. He's got passion. He plans. He's got intentionality. He's thinking through things. And, and God says to him, you can't keep any of it. I mean, here, here's what this means. We spend our lives, okay, working, 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 hoping to get a little lucky too, just like this guy did. That way our barns can be full. That way we can eat. That way we can relax. That way we can be merry. That way we can have. That way we can be secure. That way, and then what's going to happen? We're going to die. So at the most, I mean, based on the ages in here, at the most, what do we got? Maybe 50 years at the most? Maybe, maybe 60, okay? Okay? At the, I mean... I think I know who the youngest person in here is, so maybe, I mean, if you're lucky, 70, okay? So 70, so if there's an eternity, if there really is eternity, and in God's mind there is, right? So if there's really eternity, so what if you work it to the bone and strike it lucky and get everything you want for 70 years? Now, for most of us, it's going to be a lot shorter than that, right? And you don't know when it's going to be. Someone might die in five minutes. I'm, it might be me. Then you all get to go home, okay? <laughs> but you don't know, right? I mean, this guy thought it was going, I mean, let, can I just be morbid for a minute? Somebody in this room will probably die an untimely death. It's a big enough room for that to happen. And I don't, I mean, I mean it's, just, it's just stats, right? And we, none of us ever think it's going to be us, and I hope that's not true, right? I hope we all, it's like the Titanic, that we all die in our sleep and, you know, thinking of Leo, okay? I hope that happens, okay? But, but the reality is, if we're working and working and working and working to get, to get, to get, and then it's gone, I mean, you don't, we don't take any of it with us, nothing, nothing. And so what, what do we got? We got 30 years, we got 20 years, maybe we got one year and we don't know it. We got 50, 60, maybe at the most 70 years and then eternity for the rest of life. And so God looks at this guy and says, you fool. Everything you're doing about money is what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? And yet, at the end of the day, you won't get any of it. It'll all, you, you cannot keep, you cannot keep anything that you get. You can only keep what you give. Does that make sense? You cannot, I mean, at the end of the day, we cannot keep anything that we get. We can only keep what we give. So God looks at him and says, you fool. You fool. Okay, so... What's wrong with how he used his money? But how does Jesus say we should use our money? See, this guy gets rich. 
He gets rich, okay? Jesus doesn't say that that's bad. He gets rich. He makes a ton of money. And then asks, how can I keep this? And see, it's really interesting even in the story. He makes all this money. And his intuition is, how can I keep this? So he says, I'm going to tear down the barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And, and even listen to, look, look at this. If you've got your Bible or just listen. I mean, so he says, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. See, see how he's talking to himself? I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my goods. And I will, listen to this in verse 19. And I will say to my soul, He's talking, this is what we do with money. He's talking to his soul. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods. But this is what's really interesting. So he makes this money and then he just starts thinking, okay, strategizing. How can I keep this? What can I do? How can I keep it? And then he starts talking to his soul. Soul, what are we going to do, soul? Now, what should he have done? I mean, he probably, instead of praying to himself, should have prayed to God. Right? He probably should have said, God, thank you for these blessings. God, thank you that you've provided for me. God, thank you that you've blessed me beyond what I thought that you would do. God, thank you. God, what should I do? Instead, he's looking, planning, how can I keep this? How can I keep this soul? What are you and me going to do? And it's all inward, and it's all self-focused, and it's all how can I keep, and it's all... So what does Jesus say the alternative is? How does Jesus say that we're supposed to use our money since this guy embodies so many of the values that we have? Planning, saving, earning. What does Jesus say? Well, he says, not to lay up treasure for ourselves, but to be rich toward God. See, this guy is planning, thinking, strategizing, and using his money for himself. And Jesus says, don't try to lay up treasure for yourself. Don't plan and think about your money of how you can serve yourself, but rather be rich towards me. See, in, with our money, we will either be rich towards ourselves putting our riches towards ourselves, or we will be rich toward God, which is, you know, a weird phrase, but means to put our riches towards God. And Jesus says, it's foolish to take all of our riches and say, this is for me. This is for my security. This is for my happiness. This is for my pleasure. This is for my eating and my drinking and my relaxing and my saving. And he says, that person, though very valued, that person, though on the cover of Forbes magazine, that person, though probably many of our role models, that person, though a picture of financial success, that person, though they taught money seminars and wrote books, that person God looks at and says, fool. This person embodies the American dream. And God looks at him and says, fool. And again, just hear God's heart, okay, in the story. It's because he knows us, he made us, he cares for us, and he wants more for us. He doesn't want us to live lives of foolishness. And he says, the way to use money is to be rich towards God, which means to use our money for God's purposes and what God values and what God says is important. That's what it means. It means to put our riches towards God. So what does that mean? I mean, practically what it means is we build our budgets around him and his purpose. It means when we sit down and we make a budget, we say, or when we sit down and we look at our earnings, right? That's what a budget is. This guy sat down and he looked at his budget after he earned a lot, he looked at his budget and he said, how can I get relaxation? 
That's one budget line item. How can I get eating? That's one. How can I get marriedness? It's another line item. How can I get drinking? It's another line item. How can I save so I have more for the future? It's another line item. And God said, what you should have done is looked at your budget and said, how do I build this budget around being rich towards God? What does that mean? Is that how, is that how you build your budget? Whether you earn $100 a month or you earn $10,000 a month, is that how you build your budget? Do you sit down and go, how can I be rich towards God? Or do you go, soul, what can we do with this money? Soul, what can we do? Or do you go, God, thank you that you provided this. How can I be rich towards you with this? So, I think a lot of times we build our budget the opposite way. We talk to our souls like this man does, and we build it out, and then if there's anything left, we go, okay, God, what should I do with that? Okay, so what does this really mean? And, and um, this is not the, the point of this sermon. Um, you know, maybe you wonder, so is this about tithing? In the Old Testament, uh, God had his people tithe 10% of their income, really more than that, but, but just for the sake of today, we'll say 10% of their income. In the New Testament, Jesus doesn't anywhere say, okay, Christians, give 10% of your income, but many people would look at it and say, Okay, yeah, that's what he told his Old Testament people to do. And we've received more grace. We know God more fully than they do. And so we'll give less. Oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but that's not really the point of this. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to try to drive that home or, or talk about that much. I do think that that's a part. But here, here's what I want to say. And here's what Jesus says. It's not about 10%. God wants all of your money. God wants all of it. All of it. I mean, he, so God doesn't show up here and say, you fool, where was my 10%? He shows up and says, you weren't rich towards me. You were building your life on what you could get. You were building your life on possessions. You were building your life on things that will go away, and I want all of it. That's, so how much, what percentage does God want of your money? All of it. All of it. What does that mean? Well, it means that we, again, build our budgets with God in mind. It means we go, God, this is all of yours. How do you want me to use it? And I think the Bible does teach some things about percentages, but beyond that, it's, I mean, you would be foolish to say, I'll give 10%. Okay, fine, God. God wants all of it. He wants every cent that you have to be given to him to say, all of this is for you. Everything I have. Now, I'm not talking about taking all of your money and putting it in that basket there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God saying, I want all of your money to be used towards my purposes. Now, that, God's purposes are big and broad, loving people and caring for people. And it also means that, that part of God's purposes are for us to enjoy what he gives to us, lest you feel unneeded guilt. And Paul tells Timothy that God gives, he, so I, won't, I don't have time to read it, but Paul tells Timothy, um, he's writing to Timothy, who's a pastor, and he tells Timothy to tell the rich people in the church, not give away all their money, but he says, tell the rich people to be very generous with your money, and he says, tell them, Remind them that God gives us everything for our enjoyment. So part of what this even means is where this guy erred is he didn't say, God, thank you. See, God, God wants us to have joy. He wants you to have, he wants you to have things to enjoy. He, he loves us and cares for us. But he wants us to build our entire lives and our entire budgets with him in mind. That our money is a part of his purposes and the money that we even spend on ourselves is still, it's used to worship him. To say, God, thank you that you would provide this. 
God wants our rest. God wants our joy. God wants us to have friends. God wants us to be a part of his mission. God, I mean, all of these things. But the, the, are, So here's the thing. Are we asking the question? That's the main point. Are we asking the question, God, what do you want? Where do you want this money to go? How can I use this money to be rich towards you? Is that the question we're asking? I'm not saying it's not complicated. I'm not saying there's not things that we go, is this okay to spend money on? But, but those should be the questions we're asking. We should be at least asking those questions. God, how can I use the money to be rich towards you? And what does our spending say about what makes us most happy? What does our spending suggest that we are collecting for this life? What is our, is our spending marked by richness towards God? Is that what it's marked by? Now, here's the thing. Again, Jesus says this not because he is saying, give me your money. But he's saying this. He says, be careful about money because he cares for us. He says this because he doesn't want us to be fools, right? He wants us to live wisely. He, so everybody knows this. Even people that aren't Christians, just wisdom of the world is that it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And we all know that. I get way more joy out of giving a Christmas present than I do about receiving one. And so do you. If you don't, then... You know, look at your grinchy little heart and, and we need to, it needs to grow 10 times too big or whatever, the, the, whatever it says. But everybody knows that, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus is actually the one that said that. And what he's saying is, I want your whole life to be about that. I want your whole life, because he, because why? Because he wants us to have joy. I mean, the joy that you feel, the joy you feel in giving your little nephew or, or daughter or son or a friend, a present, the joy you feel in that. God says, I want that times a thousand to be your whole life. Why? Because it's more blessed, meaning we experience blessing more deeply when we give than when we receive. Jesus isn't trying to take anything away. He's trying to say, I want you to live wisely, to live blessed, to live joyfully, and here's what some of you know, because some of you live like this. I've had actually a lot of conversations this week about money. It's a really freeing thing. If you, if you begin to live like this, if you begin to live going, how can I give instead of how can I get? How can I give instead of how can I keep? When you begin to live like that, it's a freeing thing. It's a freeing thing. When you go, you know what? Maybe I can sell this and then give away money. It's freeing. It's freeing. And you feel joy because you're connecting to things. So I said earlier that you cannot keep what you get. You can only keep what you give. It's because when we give, when we give in a way that is connected with God's purposes, that lasts into eternity. When we give in a way that's connected to God's purposes, that lasts forever. That, the, the, the return on that never goes away. It's because it's not some item that we just rots and molds. It's, it's something that's connected to eternal purposes. And so when we give in that way, it lasts forever. It lasts forever. And those of you that live like this have experienced that. You've experienced that freedom of saying, I'm being, I mean, isn't it, so isn't this crazy that we can be rich towards God, that we can actually give money and that God says, that's blessed. That has eternal value to it. And we can do a lot of things with our money that has decades value to it. But God says here that we can give money in such a way that it has eternal value to it. So even when People here in the church, when you give tithes and offerings, 
that connects to an eternal value because you're doing something that helps people build relationships. You're doing something that helps the word of God be preached. You're doing something that helps people experience Jesus in new. I mean, those are the, when, when you use your money to help somebody that is struggling, when you use your money to pay for someone's rent that can't pay it, when you use your money to, to bless people, to give them gifts when they're struggling, when you use your money in ways that connect to eternal purposes, God says it can actually matter. And it's a freeing thing. I mean, none of this here, people, we wouldn't exist if other churches weren't giving money to support this, if people in here weren't giving money to support this. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And money connects to eternal purposes. One, one, one thing I'll just say, too, is this, that um, if, if you're feeling like, where do I start? Because... Um, I know, I mean, just statistically, people are trapped in debt. And if you just kind of feel like, man, how do I, where do I even start? How do I even, I don't feel like I can even give because I feel like I'm just surviving. Um, there's all sorts of practical tips and advice and things I could, I could say to you. And I, and I had written some down even, but I'm not going to say them. Um, I'm, instead, I'm just going to say this. If if you feel like, how, how, where can I even start? I would just say, come talk to me and would love to help you figure that out. There's people even in the, in, within our church community that are smart with all this stuff um, that can just help you even just begin to figure out how can I, okay, that all sounds great to build my life towards riches towards God, but I don't even know how to start there. Can't do everything in one sermon, so come talk with me or send me an email and would love to help. I mean, that, that's part of what this community is, is a community that says, let's help one another. Let's help one another be the most rich towards God community there is. Let's figure that out. Let's take the steps to making that happen. Last thing is this. Why is money so powerful? And, and here's what I mean by that, because maybe even right now you're feeling in your heart fear Maybe you, feel, maybe you feel fear. Oh, I don't know what would happen if I lived like that. Or anxiety. Or when you think about money, maybe not even just this, you know, what we're, what we're reading in Jesus' story, but just maybe in general, when you think of money, it creates tension and stress and anxiety or even joy. How come money is so powerful? And maybe even if you're not a Christian, you know, you came today and visiting and, said, I knew it, this is, churches just talk about money and just want my money. And it creates powerful emotions. But here's what's really important to see of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, I want your money, give me your money, give me, that's not Jesus' point. His point is that he's trying to give something to us. And here's, here's where I see this in the text. As he begins, he says this. He said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So here's what Jesus is saying. Money is powerful. Because we believe, and it has the power, to give us whatever we believe life is. Money has the power to give us whatever we believe life is. And what does that mean? It means whatever we believe life is all about. Money has the power to give to us whatever is most treasured and valued in life. Worth, status, significance, I mean, see, some people look at money and it's a tool to give us status. Some people look at money and it's a tool to give us comfort and pleasure. Some people look at money and it's a tool to give us security and safety or friends or significance. See, money has power because it can give to us whatever it is that we believe life itself is. Whatever we value, whatever we believe, this is life. And Jesus says, 
I'm not telling you this story because I'm so concerned about needing your money. I'm telling you this story because I'm concerned that you're going to be pursuing something that you believe is life and missing out on what life actually is. Life does not consist in the things that money gives to us. Why is money so powerful? Because it's a tool to give us what we believe life is, what we believe value and worth and meaning is. And Jesus says, but that's not what life consists in. That's not what life is. So Jesus tells this parable to gently warn us, you may be a fool. You may be wasting life. You may be, so look, Jesus sees into each of our hearts and he sees the longings we have for life. He sees the longings we have for comfort or value or significance or worth or things that we believe money will give this to me. He, he looks into our hearts and sees that. And he says, life does not consist in that. See, I think God wants to gently tap us on the shoulder, gently wake us up and say, you may be pursuing what you think life is, thinking that money will give you what life consists of, but you might be missing out on what life actually is. If you uh, wrote a blank check to God, don't worry, I'm not asking you to write a blank check. If you wrote a blank check to God, do you think he'd rob you? Like if you wrote, a, if you just said, God, whatever you want with all of my money, and no one really even uses checks anymore, but if they did, if you, you know, filled out the direct deposit thing online and just left it there and said, God, fill in whatever you want, just for life. What do you want? Here's all of everything I have. Do you think God would rob you? Like, do you think that whatever number he put in there, do you think it would take from you? I think most of us do. We feel like if I just left it wide open, God would take something from me. And what Jesus is saying is he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that because that's not what life consists of. What he would do is he would help us to have a life of what it actually is. How do we know that? How do we know that's what he would do? How do we know we can trust God with a blank check? How do we know we can, how, how do we know that the rich man in the story could have gone to God and said, my barns are overflowing. God, what do you want with this? How do we know? How can we? Because that's, I mean, don't trust a lot of people with blank checks, okay? But how do we know that we could, with God, just open-handedly say, it's all yours? How do we know? Well, we know because when we take communion, here's what the Bible teaches us. And we'll actually sing it later, but what we remember is what did Jesus do with his money? And not his money, but his most valuable resource, his blood. See, the Bible says this, that Jesus purchased us with his blood. Jesus purchased us with his blood. Here's what that means. It means if, we're, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, this is what God wants you to know that he did for you. This is what I want you to know that God did for you. But if you're a Christian, here's what it means. That we are sinful. That we're like the rich man. Self-centered, living our lives. What can I get for me? How can I live for me? Putting God out of the picture, talking to our souls and saying, soul, it's you and me together forever. Me and you, soul. And no God, just living for us. That's, that's how we all start. And Jesus doesn't say, fool, out of here. What he says is, that's what I should say. I should say, fool, your life 
Your soul is demanded of you. But instead, he says, I will go to the cross. The debt that you owe me, I will pay. And I will purchase you with my blood. See, we, we purchase things that we want, right? We purchase things we want. I mean, you've never purchased anything you didn't want. We purchase things we want, and we spend a lot for what we really want. Jesus spent everything. Why? To get you? To get me? He, he purchased us with his blood. He, he paid the cost of his very life to bring us into his family. See, when we see how rich he's been towards us, that's what creates in us a heart that says, well, man, I could trust you. I could trust you. I could, I could say, man, I want all of my money to go to however you want it to go, God. Because obviously you care for me. Obviously you love me. Obviously you're for me. That you, when you thought, what am I going to do with my money? When, so when Jesus said, what am I going to do with my money? He said, I'm going to buy you. With his very blood. And so we'll sing in a little bit. We'll sing a song called, Jesus Paid It All. And even as you sing that song, remember, he paid it all to get us. He paid it all to bring sinners into his family, people that didn't deserve it into his family, people that are fools with our money into his family. He paid it all. He paid it all to bring us into his family. Let that sink into your heart. And when it does, I guarantee it'll transform us to a place where we say, whatever you want with this, it belongs to you. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for how richly you've loved us. That you were willing to pay everything to bring us into your family. God, thank you that though we are often self-centered, like the man in the story, that you don't leave us in our foolishness, but that you call us to you and that you forgive us and that even while we were fools, as, it's, as it says in Romans, even while we were sinners, you died for us. Even while we were fools, you died for us. Even, I mean, God, if anyone in this room feels self-centered or if anyone in this room feels like they've been using their money foolishly, if anyone in this room feels like they've been using their money like the rich man, let us all see that even in that, you give us grace. That even in that, that's what you died for. That even in that, you saw that and you still said, I want you in my family. That even in that, you still said, I want you as mine. Thank you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>